2: Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, and the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable. And our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the uh, let me see Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. If you'd like to give us a call, toll free worldwide one 7035 Email xone at xoneradiotv on MSN Messenger, xone TV at hotmail.com, and our website www XZoneRadioTV.com. And I must tell you, XZone Nation, that I am totally, I am totally impressed with the number of downloads we've had from the 9 11 tribute uh, at the X Chronicles newspaper. So far, in less than one week, we have had more than 163,000 Download. So to each and every one of you who are reading it and telling your friends and your friends are coming online and downloading and so on and so forth, thank you very much. This is what it's all about, getting the news out to you, the members of the ExoNation, so that you can spread it far and wide. My guest this hour is Stephen Harefield, and we're going to be talking about Metaphysia 2012. Now, after being raised in a very dysfunctional family, Stephen entered the United States Army and found himself in Vietnam for two tours of duty. While there, he met his first uh, teachers, the Path of the Zen Buddhist Monks, where he learned of intuitive insight. He began to learn their teachings and traditions and spent much time with them as the military would allow. Upon returning to the U.S., he earned his undergraduate degree in the field of psychology and upon graduation found himself with an urge to travel to India. Upon his arrival in India, he began the journey of his life after encountering two Tibetan monks who invited him to come and learn in northern India, where he spent six years studying the Tibetan Buddhist path. Now, listen to the explanation. While there, he had the opportunity not only to study in India, but also in Nepal and twice into Tibet and had many experiences that could be termed as mystical, connecting with all of his past lives. Stephen is a certified intuitive by the Edgar Cayce Foundation, known as the ARE Association for Research and Enlightenment, and uh, they only select 200 people for a seven-year service. He has been interviewed on many radio stations and television stations across the U.S. and Canada. And this year, we're going to be talking, uh, this year, I should say, this segment, we're going to be talking about Metaphysia 2012, and we're going to be talking about well, you know, with that mystical date that's happening next year, I think it's 463 days from today, December the 21st, 2012. He is the author of A Metaphysical Interpretation of the Bible and 12 Sacred Principles of Karma. He has also many downloads available, like The Art of Manifesting, A Monk's Perspective, The Power of Thought, at his website at www.hairfield.com. That's www.hairfield.com. Exonation, Nation, this hour, when we come back from this two-minute commercial break, my guest is Stephen Harefield. And we're like I said, we're going to be talking about Metaphysia 2012, as well as many interesting topics. And last time we had Stephen on the show, I believe it was going back to 2007, people were really amazed at, at the insight that he brought to the show and to the listeners about Tibetan monks. So we're going to touch on that as well www.hairfield.com, that's H-A-I-R-F-I-E-L-D.com is the website. My name is Rob McConnell, this is The Exxon, and we'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
0: Ooh, don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello dot slash save. Sonobello slash save.
3: Just close my eyes again. Climb aboard the dream, weave a chain. Drive take away my worries.
2: Excellent. Stephen Harefield is my guest to this hour. And uh, Stephen, welcome back to the x Uh, How have you been since you and I last talked, going way back to 2007?
6: Yeah, it's been a long time. I've been doing very well and uh, gallivanting around the world, talking (laughs) about 2012 and what's going on out there.
2: Well, maybe you can enlighten us, Stephen. Um, What is your perception of what is going to happen on December the 21st, 2012?
6: Well, you know, for years, Rob, uh, so many people uh, f- from religion through Hollywood uh, have always talked about the end of the world. Uh, that's not what the Maya uh, have even ever talked about. Um, it's basically, if you if you will, it's a transformation. And if I would, I'd like to, if I can, I'd like to share a Hopi prophecy with you. Is that all right?
2: Please do, sir.
6: When birds fall from the sky and the animals are dying a new tribe of people shall come unto the earth from many colors classes and creeds who by their very actions in nature indeed shall make the earth green again they will be known as the warriors of the rainbow that right there says that the end of the world isn't going to happen but what we can do is we can say there's going to be a transformation and even if we look at the world today um, that transformation has already begun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that transformation is actually leading us to the idea of oneness. The only thing, Rob, that's going to end is the way that we do things now. I would love to ask people this question, Rob. What out there in this world is actually working are is the economies, nope. uh the governments nope. with an uh the business world, nope. the religions, what out there is actually really working? It's kind of like what the universe has done. Uh, I don't know about the area where you live, but the area where I live, I've seen recently this year an exorbitant amount of um, fixing roads and highways. Mm -hmm. And my point is, is, what used to take me about 10, 15 minutes to get to my office now takes me about 20 because of all the detour signs. So my point is simply this, that what the universe is doing is it's putting detour signs out there for us to follow a new direction. And thus far, we haven't done it very gracefully. So, 2012 is not about the end of the world. You could say in a nutshell, it's about humankind awakening to their own inner divine nature.
2: You know, when people ask me what my perception is of 2012, I say that we are at the point in our evolution, both physically as well as spiritually, where we have been caterpillars we are now at the point within the cocoon that we're getting ready to come out and we're going to be transforming from the caterpillar into the butterfly i believe it's our it's our metamorphosis that is going to happen and bring us into a new age of spiritual enlightenment that is going to get us back on track with mother nature
6: absolutely in fact it brings to mind uh, a psychiatrist and researcher david hawkins mm-hmm. He talks about the new species that's coming, and he calls it Homo Spiritus. And what it is is a perfect blend of flesh and spirit, operating as a unified idea. Uh, we're going to move from the linear human into nonlinear. We're going to move from form into non-form, which is the perfect blend of being. And so many people today in our world are have uh, the tendency and propensity to fight against that but you know, Rob, we as human don't change with a whole lot of grace. No, we change through fighting and inner upheaval and inner turmoil, and it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, the Maya say that uh, as far as December 21st, 2012 goes, is we have one of two paths only that we can take. One, the first, and we're witnessing it in the world right now, is we can go down the lower road uh, in conflict. Uh, But the beauty of what's going on in the Middle East, which is what a lot of people miss, is we're seeing total strangers, individuals who never knew each other, banding together for a common cause to execute it even in the face of death. So my hat's off to those folks. But what we're seeing is the unification of human individuals as one operating idea. And we're seeing the idea of power and control going by the wayside. So we're seeing the, uh, the initial phases and effects of the idea of 2012. The second path is simple, where we all band together and unify and work together as one idea. I was watching the news the other morning, Rob, and this guy in Logan, Utah, there was an accident, a motorcycle and a car, and the motorcycle was on fire, and the driver of the motorcycle had slid under the car. And all of these citizens, the public, got together. Rob, they lifted that car up. They got enough guys to lift it up. And another person pulled the individual out from under the car. And by the way, according to the news, he was in serious condition. He's now in stable condition and he's going to live. So the unification of people can resolve the issue. And that's really the crux of what the Maya have been attempting to tell us for millennia now. Work together, we are one race, meaning human. Mm-hmm. But so we don't do that.
2: So why is it? Why is it, uh, Stephen, that people enjoy putting a doomsday a doomsday spin on on these kind of times instead of looking at it in a positive light that? this is good, we are going to be working and living as one. They would rather say, you know, this is the end of the world, the galactic alignment, we're in the end times as talked about in the book of Revelations in the Bible. And, and, and yet, and yet they refuse to take a positive spin. Are these people who, who are naturally negative, and could we say that they're the negative force that tries to bring the rest of us down?
6: You could indeed, and that's a great point, Rob. Uh, if anybody ever wants to read Revelation, and, it's, and it's, you have to understand it's metaphor,
4: mm-hmm.
6: my suggestion is, is go to the very last chapter. Just skip the whole thing. Just go to the last chapter. And when you do, here's what you're going to read. That uh, this idea of the Creator, is the way I'm going to say it, is going to come down and join us, and then what it's going to do is share uh, the tree of knowledge with us. This is about stepping from a limited form of living into the dynamic of an infinite being. And to me, the only reason these organizations do this, Hollywood, they're doing it to make a buck. Uh, I watched a thing last night on uh, Revelation and the End of the World, and I have to sit there and chuckle, because all it is is an over-dramatization and a fear of the unknown. And when it comes to the unknown, in India they have a say. At any time you enter the unknown, simply enter it unknowingly. And these people that are doing all these things to human consciousness, it's it's something that's been going on for thousands of years. I mean, come on. Last May twenty third, I think it was, Christianity said the end of the world was on May twenty third. Yeah. Then he went, Oh no, that's when it began began and what it's gonna do is happen on October thirty first. Well, it's still the terrorization of mind. If you don't have an end, then religion has no control. And it can't save you. And religion can't save you in this. So, to me, it's all a scam and it's a fear.
2: But over the years, it certainly has become very evident that religion is being used by by those at the top as as a control mechanism for the masses. Uh, I look at religion, organized religion, as, as nothing more than... Another aspect of the world of corporations, for example, if we take the Vatican, you've got the Pope, well, in my book, he is the CEO, and then you've got all the cardinals who are the, are the members of the board of directors, and, and then you've got the people who go to church every Sunday, and they put whatever they can into the collection pot as their tithing as, as the shareholders, and when you look at the big picture, the corporation is not doing that good
6: well've i've've uh, sold my stock <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you profit or lose?
6: oh no I got out in time <laughs> good
2: good glad to hear that glad to hear that
6: i I have my being
2: excellent excellent so why is it that people will actually allow themselves to be led like sheep, even though in their heart of hearts all they want to do are be better people believe that as a group and a community, they can help make this a better world, when in fact, many religious philosophies exactly do the opposite.
6: Um, people are starting to wake up to that, uh, and they're starting to realize that Christ himself made this statement. What he said was, "...as a house divided cannot stand against itself." And when you really look at what goes on, and I'm not, not my intention to downplay uh, religion whatsoever, it's just to, get, to people, get people to realize there's more to us than meets the eye. You cannot stop the divine nature of being, and that's for certain. But what Christianity has done, it's been their entire intention by creating division of heaven and hell, uh, God and the devil. That's automatically division. So if the master himself says a house divided can't stand I would rather go with that mm-hmm. than I would believing in two things that's like attempting to go north and south at the same time it won't work
2: do you think that in today's society religion really has a place no not at all yeah yeah it's, i I think that religion and and i and I don't mean to offend anyone here exhortation. i I just believe in my heart of hearts that religion's day has passed because religion has not kept up with the with the with the spiritual growth or the or the emotional growth as well as the learning growth of the people
6: no they haven't Uh, we were originally put on this planet to achieve a level of divine consciousness if Mm -hmm. anything uh, religion has steered us away from it uh, simply because if we achieve that state they have absolutely no control But we're seeing the signs of that grip being let go of, even if we go back into the Middle East, which is a very um, dogmatic, uh, and I'm not downplaying Islam uh, at all. It's just very dogmatic in its approach. And people are outgrowing that, just like they are um, with the idea of power and control. It's all connected. It's all about awakening to individual self. That's not talking about from an ego perspective, because that won't work. What it's talking about is the truth of the human being and what we came here to accomplish, and that's divine consciousness. All right, that we are seeing.
2: All right Stephen, I have to uh, put yeah, a I hold gotcha. on it here because I've got to take my news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation, Nation, Stephen Harefield is our special guest. We're talking about Metaphysia 2012, www.harefield.com, and we'll be back on the other side of this news break with yours truly, Rob McConnell. In
5: the X-Zone. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you.
2: dot exxon tv dot com bring it home baby make it soon
3: I... she's come undone she didn't know what she was headed for and when i found what she was headed far too high, and when she found out she couldn't fly, it was too late, it's too late, she's gone too far, she's lost the sun, she's come undone, she wanted truth but all she got was lies.
2: Explanation. Uh, Stephen Hairfield is my guest this hour. We're talking about Metaphysia 2012. His website is www.hairfield.com. Stephen, in your book, A Metaphysical Interpretation of the Bible, how have how has the Bible been in your in your just your opinion misinterpreted in its writing?
6: <laughs> Pardon my chuckle. Um The biblical text, like all ancient prophecy and all ancient texts, is written in a metaphorical manner, metaphorical meaning that you cannot take it literalistically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what religion has done is they pick and choose what's literal and what isn't. Uh, Every um, minister, priest, you name it, would agree with me that the biblical text is allegorical and not to be literally taken. That being said, one has to really understand the metaphorical language of ancient civilizations to actually be able to understand it. The biblical text itself, using the metaphor, is actually telling us how to become that Christ-like being which we're destined to become. That said, that means all of these centuries, they've been leading us away from it. Physical minds interpreting uh, spiritual texts. Generally speaking, never work. Um, Once you strip all the dogma out of the message, you see the truth of the message. And I realized early on that the dogmatic language in the biblical text was human interpretation. Um, That being said, once we understand once more the metaphor, we realize that there's a real message there with a tremendous level of substance to it. And when you read that, like the Book of Revelation, Mm -hmm. it's all about what's going to happen to you as you approach your own divine being and it has nothing to do with the world. And we know that in the very first chapter, when it talks about opening the seven seals to the book of life, those seven happens to be seven chakras. You have to enliven and awaken them to achieve the rest of it. And that I write about in that book. Uh, metaphysical interpretation here's how you do it here's what we're told and I leave it up to the people and I've gotten so many people from all over the world that have said there's just one aha moment after another I've had people tell me that they've become so filled with love of life and people that it's amazing so and it's all written right in the Bible really I take yeah oh yeah I take it verse by verse and said here's what the Bible says Here's, a, here's an uh, interesting example. One All of my right. hobbies, Rob, is, is I collect Bibles. My oldest is actually 1805, wow. hand-delivered to me by a, a friend from Paris. And I love to sit down and take the older biblical text and the newer. When you get into Revelation, um, I don't remember the exact verse, but I could locate it. But here's what the newer Bibles say do not harm those that have the seal of God on their forehead. And in the older ones, every one of them that I have says this, do not harm those that have the seal of God in their forehead. So, and when they were um, putting the Bible together, they read it, and in modern times, in fact, in 1999, um, they said, that doesn't make sense. How can you have the seal of God in your forehead? Uh, or so you have to have it on it, so everybody can see it. Uh-uh. in your forehead mm. happens to be the sixth chakra, so those with the intuitive sense and the higher ideas of being they're awake, and that's the point. be awake
2: so if the Bible was to be rewritten today let's 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 say hypothetically the events that are that are written about in the Bible did not happen way back when in the time of the ancients, but happened today in our time, how different would the Bible be?
6: Oh, totally. Uh, Absolutely, totally different. But the first thing I would say to that, though, is whoever would come in and portray Christ today, Mm. you better be careful because they're going to end up taking your life anyway. We have to remember that Christ himself was not for churches. He was against them and anybody reading the biblical text can see that so if he were to come today and all Christianity says he's going to return and we're going to be saved no i mean what does everybody do you have a photograph of Christ in your pocket you know what he's going to look like no nobody does so how are you going to know whether or not it's actually him you won't so what are they what are they going to do attempt to take him out one more time
2: or is the second coming of Christ like uh, um just something that was put into the Bible as a way to remind humanity and those who read the scriptures that, hey, if you're a bad boy, wait until your father comes home tonight.
6: (laughs) I love it. No, uh, actually, when they talk about Christ returning, and even Mm -hmm. the idea of Antichrist, here's actually what we're being told. Antichrist is anti-higher inner divine being. The return of Christ is the awakening of the vast majority, if not all, and it's available to all humans. It means we awaken to our own Christ consciousness within, and that's how Christ is going to return within all of us as a divine awakening, which loops us right back to the idea of 2012. Nobody can stop that. It only depends on which path we take. One would be simple. One would be, uh, let me say, intrinsically interesting. Um, to do. But you cannot stop, because even if you look at the idea of Revelation, it Mm -hmm. says the idea of Antichrist loses in the end. So my whole thing for years has always been, okay, bring him on. Because it's not an individual like we all think it to be. Even if you look at the number of 666, you have to understand numerology to be able to understand what that means. 666 added up numerologically is just simply this. It's uh, 18... Or a nine, because you've got to reduce it to a single digit. Nine means end of cycle, and if it's an end of a cycle, it simply means new direction. So the beast means that the way we do things now will not be able to be done that way in the coming times. And to the uh, religious mind, that's the beast. They lose their grip. They don't have it anymore, and they're no longer existent. Not that we would need them. Not that we need them now. We don't.
2: So, does this is this a metaphor for each one of us taking back our own power and uh, taking the power away from those who, who preach, one out of one side of their mouth and do out of the other side?
6: Absolutely and well stated. See what the church has done, and we would have to go back in history. And I don't know if we have time for the show, but boy, I could walk you through um, this very easily. Um. We give our power away constantly, Mm -hmm. and the idea of Christ consciousness would never do that. So they don't want us to stop giving them our power once more because they have no hold, no grip, and no authority over us. And here's the funny thing. They never have. But when you look at the path, you could have lost your property a long time ago. You could have lost your life. Uh, In fact, the very first man that uh, German don't remember his name off the top of my head. They went to translate the uh, Catholic Bible from Latin to German. He was actually burned at the stake, and all of his wealth was taken because he was a heretic. He was a heretic because he was telling the truth. And all he wanted to do was put the biblical text in his own language, and he gave up his life. And that's just a small example of what they did in those days.
2: In your studies over the years, um... How do you explain the ne- Nephilim, or those who descended from the sky, the land of the giants, uh, what are, you know, angels, or are these all metaphors?
6: Yes, they are. <coughs> what they're talking about, Nephilim, you could actually equate to the idea of the soul. Okay. Um, the soul was just a form of energy. Uh, I once heard it said, in fact, by Edgar Casey, that... Uh, The reason we come into physical being is, I mean this humorously, is because it's blunt force trauma when it comes to experience, which means we grow. We actually grow faster in physical form in the sense of wisdom and knowledge than we ever could as a soul. Here's what Casey actually said. What it takes the soul to learn and acquire in soul form only takes 2,500 years, not that time is relevant to the soul. But what it can learn in one human lifetime Would take it twenty five hundred years. So the Nephilim us decided to experience physical form, so we could have infinite knowledge available to us. That's all it means.
2: So do we go from one existence in one part of the universe to another, to another um, dimension, to another reality? What happens to us after we we die?
6: Um. Well, all we do when a snake sheds its skin. Or when that caterpillar, going back to the beginning of the show, goes into the chrysalis, it only gives up its form, but it doesn't die. A snake shedding the skin sheds the skin, but it's still living. And I can certainly share with everyone right now that when we leave this world, we're going to find ourselves still standing there, stepping into quantum physics for just one moment. A few years ago, about six uh, quantum physics uh, mathematically proved that it's not really a universe. It is a multiverse with an infinite number of, quote, universes contained within that. So what we do, because we're on planet Earth here, Mm -hmm. and what we do when we transition based on how we've lived our lives, we move into either up in vibration or stay in the same vibration and return here or we can go backward into um, an earth we were in millennia ago. Um, And all of that is mathematically verifiable. So we simply move from this earth into another one, based on our performance, so to speak, here.
2: Would that explain how people have past life experiences and how they're able to uh, relate past life histories when they undergo past life regression?
6: Uh, I would say yes uh, to that, indeed. Uh, it's just experiencing your mm-hmm. whole being. I uh, remember on top of a monastery uh, with this very specific meditation, which I teach people, that one day, uh, every one of my lives was opened up to me, and I saw them all. And frankly, they were all on this planet, uh, as far as I could tell. Because uh, if you move from one Earth to another, how are you going to notice the difference? hmm Uh, And in that, what it did is it told me a story of my own soul evolution. So there's the real value of knowing, really knowing your past lives. When people go through past life regression through a hypnotist, they're giving up the control of that, and they're going to go along with what the hypnotist shares. I'm not saying that it's not a good idea. I believe it is if a person wants to know themselves. But it's something, like the book of Revelation says, that once you open those seven seals, you will know your book of life. And it's that simple. You, I, any human can open those seals and achieve who we have been throughout time. And I mean that very sincerely, throughout time. Our soul is eternal, Rob. It does not experience transition. We do. And we don't have to, by the way.
2: What do you think is going to happen come December the 22nd, 2012?
6: What kind of changes uh, <laughs> can you do,
2: you do? You think is going to happen?
6: It, it, in my own humorous way, we could wake up and not realize that anything happened. And here's why I say that: those that don't achieve, look at 2012, is the idea of a graduation. And mm-hmm. by the way, we should be more concerned about October's than we ever should uh, December's. And if you want, we can even talk about that one. Sure. But uh, the reason I say that is because the people that remain in the cycle of birth and death, they're not going to know it because they gave up their lives. The people that make the shift, or the graduation, so to speak, um, they may not know it uh, because they just moved into a different dynamic. As silly as all of that may sound, we know that there are three civilizations that one day we're here on this world and one day we're not the perfect exa- uh, example of that rob is the Anasazi in Chaco Canyon in uh, southeastern Arizona when the archaeologists discovered their dwellings in Chaco Canyon the first thing they said was is it looked as though they were preparing their evening meal and they never ate it hmm. so my point is is if you go from one energetic dynamic into another Why would you know there's a change? But I can certainly promise everyone this. If you're interested in a world of peace, infinite ability, uh, a world of implicit acceptance, a world that exists with nothing but divine-natured people, then I'd be excited about what's coming. That's why the end times, I think, is a joke.
2: All right, we have to take our final break. When we come back, I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about October, because you've got my interest up here, as I think you knew you would. (laughs) Thank you, Stephen. It's great having you with us. We'll have to have you back on uh, because this is a topic that I believe a lot of people want to hear about. But you know what? They say, "I don't know religion, the paranormal, metaphysics." It's like adding oil with vinegar. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's true. And when you add oil and vinegar, you get a very, very tasty salad dressing, don't you? We'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back on the other side of this break as my conversation with my guest this hour, Stephen Harefield, continues Exonation. If you'd like to find out more about Stephen, get his books. His website is www.harefield.com My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
3: She didn't know what she was headed for And when I found what she was headed for Undone. She found a mountain that was far too high And when she found out she couldn't fly It was too late
5: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend this is us saying thank you.
2: ExoNation, uh, Stephen Harefield is my guest this hour. His website is www.harefield.com. And uh, by the way, ExoNation, if you're wondering if or how he can speak so strongly with authority, it's very simple. He's received his Master's in Religion and Theology and a Ph.D. in Metaphysics. So there you go. You know, the guy's paid his dues, and all Stephen is doing is saying, hey, this is the truth. In fact, uh, during the commercial break, you and I were talking about October the twenty first, twenty twelve, and and if you could share with our audience the significance of that date.
6: Well, October twenty first, twenty twelve. It's my sense, uh, and I've also been a fan and studying ancient prophecy for about thirty five years. And what I did was started connecting the different dots, uh, the -hmm. common threads between all of them. Um, December twenty first, twenty twelve, is when everything should begin reaching a peak uh actually it's before that but that would be the strongest peak so imagine a mountain and on december the 20th that you're climbing and on december 20 uh october 21st uh, 2012 you are now at the peak of your climb mm-hmm. which means between october 21st 2012 and december 21st 2012 we're making our descent if you will or even we are actually descending into ourselves to become the divine creatures that uh, I'm not alone in saying, because I could quote many other people on that subject. um, And when December 21st, 2012 hits, breathe easy, because you made it. It's getting between. It's actually from now until December 21st, Mm -hmm. or October 21st is what I should say. And then everything is going to reach that crescendo in and around that date, and then it all starts calming down. In fact, there will be a a wonderful signal according to the Hopi. It's uh, the legend of the blue sun. When we look up in the sky and we see a sun with a blue tint to it, Um, then that's letting us know we are now going to start receiving healing energy from the universe. And that should appear in October. But as we know, it takes that energy stream, uh, let's just say a few moments to get here. So that's why I say that. And if you remember the uh, Hopi prophecy that I began the show with, that's actually been happening. And by the way, that prophecy was actually stated over 800 years ago. So if if they can make that statement 800 years ago, and we all remember all the birds falling out of the sky with Mm -hmm. no clue, the animals dying with no clue, that has been happening over the last year and a half. So that's what's leading us up. So it's between this October and next October. The thing I would suggest, keep your eyes on Mother Nature. She's our messenger. When I say she's our messenger, she's attempting to let us know. Just simply watch her. As I shared with you, Rob, on break, we just had a, a tropical storm do something that is absolutely unheard of. And that's a tropical storm formed right on land. Its name was Tropical Storm Lee. And look what it did. Unheard of. Stephen, I want to thank you
2: so much. We've run out of time for tonight. You and I will uh, be in contact. We'll have to have you back on... Uh in the very near future, to continue this very interesting conversation. Thank you for sharing and continued success. Thank you, sir. Take care now. Pleasure. Uh-huh. Exo Nation, Stephen Harefield has been my guest, www.harefield.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.